Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Monday. It is October 16th. We're going to talk about Giannis and Dame's first game together, what takeaways we have, what hot takes. We'll have it all. We're going to give you a take from every game the NFL had yesterday and relate it back to the Packers. At least one. We might do two. We'll see. And then we'll talk about the Wisconsin Badgers' massive blunder. And then Brandon Woodruff out for the year. This happened Friday, uh, but we'll talk about it today. What impact does that have on next year's Brewers team? We'll go through that and I'm sure much more. Before we get started, just a reminder on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. Uh, if you're not subscribed, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, where wherever else you get your podcast. If you're new to the show, we do this about four times a week. We are Wisconsin sports focused. Uh, I, I like to say that we give you basically what you get from local radio, but in an hour, no commercials, no skips. You're just basically getting all you need to know about Wisconsin sports for that day. Uh, we have an NBA preview pod coming out, Bucks focused obviously tomorrow with Mitch so stay tuned for that Uh, I will be off on Wednesday or Thursday depending on just what's going on in the sports world I would I will take Wednesday if there's nothing big happening but if like a Woodruff news story comes out hopefully not I don't want any more bad injury news but if something along those lines comes out or like a Packers make a trade or something or that so I'll come back on the pod and do it but I'm planning for it being a split week where Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or uh, Thursday, Friday, and that's the show. So and that's usually what it, it ends up being. So nothing really changes this week. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot to talk about here with Milwaukee Bucks, and we're on Apple, we're on Spotify. If you're already subscribed, you guys know what to do. Group chat, spread the word. Shout out to my guy Twigs, ride or die. Uh, Was hyping up the pod at the bar on Saturday night, uh, which I absolutely loved. Uh, that that was great. I uh, had a great night out. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, probably a little, probably a little too much fun. Uh, I at the end of the night was taking my dog out, and I told my wife that I was like, "Oh wow, our neighbors added a tree. That tree is that has been there since I've been home." Uh, since I've been in my new home. Like that tree's always been there. So that's where I was on Saturday night. Uh, I hope you guys had a great weekend and I'm excited to talk to you about Giannis and Dan. Uh, and let's get into it. We first saw the Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard experience freak time, as some people would like to call it, as the Milwaukee Bucks took on the Los Angeles Lakers. The Bucks were able to notch another preseason win, 108-97. to uh, They played most of their bench in the second half, uh, but it was an awesome first half and a little bit of that second half watching Giannis and Dame play together and play separately. There was some staggering of Giannis and Dame too, which I think was good. I, I think it's it's definitely important and it's going to take some time to really settle in. I don't think that is a surprise to anybody. Uh, this isn't going to be magic night one. It's going to take probably a month of basketball games or a little over a month before everything starts coming together. I'm very thankful the schedule makers did not have Bucks Celtics in the first five or six games of the season because I think the Bucks will be woefully prepared for the Celtics. 
I think the fact they're playing them in a month after really their first game of the season on the 23rd, I think that will be absolutely 22nd actually. That will be absolutely perfect. That will, that will be the perfect time. The Bucks should be sort of feeling themselves sort of in their gel, who does what on the team and starting to really feel good. But there was this tinge of excitement that I can't really remember with Bucks basketball watching tonight, like from more of a macro level. We're gonna break down a lot of micro, you know, things about this game and about you know what we saw out on the court. I don't know why I'm doing we. It's just me, <laughs> but I do sometimes royal we it. But but it, it, anyway, here nor there. I made it a point to watch Bucks basketball preseason. Now, the last preseason games, I've checked up on it. I then go back and watch the highlights, uh, but it hasn't been where it's appointment television. But because Giannis and Dame were out there, it was flip on the TV, it was stream the rest of Red Zone and Eagles Jets on your computer, and that was what was taking over the big screen because you had to watch Antetokounmpo and Dame Lillard. And I feel like that's going to be the constant for the season. It, it's just a special year of Bucks basketball. It's a it's a year of Bucks basketball that none of us should forget. Um, it, it might not end in a championship. You know what I tell you guys all the time? It's really hard to win the fucking title. It, it, it just is. Everything has to break your way. Everything has to go in your direction. But it could end in a championship. And if it doesn't end in a championship this year, championship will be on the table the following year. It's eerie how the similarities of the 95 Rockets are with this Bucks team, with adding a guy from Portland who's chasing a ring and who has been good but somewhat underappreciated through his career. Now, Clyde Drexler was a little, I think he was actually the same age, weirdly enough, but Clyde had more miles on him, right? Because the NBA was different back then. It was much more physical. Uh, it, it was definitely a more taxing game. I think Clyde also played, a, uh, he might have played the same amount of college as Dame, but he, you know, he played at Houston and everything else. And so gets a, he kind of was, it was a homecoming for Drexler. And then for Lillard, this is a brand new experience. And it's going to be very interesting to watch just how the, the city reacts and embraces. And we talked about it last week. You can go listen to Mitch and I about, you know, the Bucks taking the Wisconsin sports belt from the Green Bay Packers. And I still think that's on the table. I think that's a real possibility if the Bucks get off to a hot start, if the Packers still struggle. I think people will focus their attention on the Milwaukee Bucks and will invest more time and energy in talking Bucks basketball and watching Bucks basketball than maybe they ever have before. I know that's that might be a little hyperbole, but I, I feel like that is true. And so it's a, just a joy to be this excited about a team. I can't, I'm trying to remember a team that I was this excited for to start a year. I mean, the year after the championship for the Bucks was definitely, definitely one that I was fired up for. The Packer at the year after the Packer championship in 2011 is definitely way up there. I think I was excited after the the Bostic disaster. Now that was not a good year for the Packers, but in 2015, I think you were like, all right, this is redemption, redeem team stuff for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, there was a lot of excitement, you know, first year Matt Lafleur. Uh, after I, I don't even think we were that excited in, when 2020 was so weird with COVID because I think we were just excited to have normal football and watching every week and every Sunday. And the fact that football schedule changed a little bit, but not a ton. Like it was still basically football, which was great. And I think we're all appreciative of that in you know retrospect. And if I'm thinking Brewer seasons, I think that first Braun and Fielder. 
2008 for sure. Uh, 2011, no question about it. Uh, 2018 with Yelich and, and Kane, like those years were, were way up there. And if, they, if Trio comes up right away next year, I, I think 2024 would actually be similarly with the excitement around the Brewers. And then Marquette, I mean, this is this year will be the most excited I am for Marquette basketball in a long time. So maybe that's the theme of the year is just excitement and just new, new peaks, new levels. And I just can't wait for it. And, and Giannis said in his tweet after the game, or his, I guess, social post, because I think he posts it everywhere. It's like, the season can't come soon enough. Like, he's ready to go. And, and that's great. And let's kind of dive in now to the micro, the takeaways, you know, from Giannis Dame game one. Freak time, as, as people are starting to call it, or the Oakland Euros. Uh, I would think Dan Schaefer had that, which I really like. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, the nicknames will keep coming and coming. This is a new era of Bucks basketball. Uh, Giannis is not the initiator of the offense. He is not the point guard. Giannis is playing much more off ball. I think it works. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think there's not as much of a clogging you know, with, with the Bucks. It's much more open. Uh, I know Bud played a lot of random and, and a lot of five out and, or not, well, four out and then Brooke Lopez inside. It, it definitely had a different feel to it. And you can still see that these guys are adjusting. It, it's not perfect at this point, but I, I think they'll get there. I think they'll figure out where, where they fit in, what are their roles, what's it going to be. And I, I think Giannis is also going to relish in you know not having to be the guy all the time. We talked about it on tomorrow's pod that you listen to that I actually think Giannis will find a lot of happiness in this offense. And they talked about that a little bit on the broadcast about how you know Giannis is really accepting this new role. He kind of likes the fact that he's not going to have to always be, you know, the initiator and it, it at least looked decent you know, in game number one. But again, it's game one. We have a long way to go with this team. If they look like this in December, we might be asking a few questions. Dame Lillard is going to try, try harder to facilitate early and it's going to frustrate Bucks fans. I think Bucks fans are going to, there's a lot of things they'll overreact to. I think they'll wonder why Dame isn't shooting as much as he should or they think he should early on because I think Dame wants to come in. He's the new guy and he doesn't want to ruffle too many feathers. He doesn't want to rock the boat, right? You know, when you're new to a situation, whether you get a new job or you are part of a new friend group for some reason, although I don't know how many people are getting added to friend groups in, you know, when they're in their thirties. But I, I really, I really know that when you're in that new guy scenario, you're just, all you're trying to do is fit in. And I think with that, Dave's not going to put up 20 to 30 shots. 30 is aggressive. But like, I just think he's not going to have these big shot output games early in, in his Bucks career. I think once you get to December, January, he starts feeling himself. He starts part of that team. I think you'll see more from Dame in terms of shooting. So I'm not worried about Dame being more of a facilitator early on, but... I, I hope that Dame knows that if he has a good shot, like look at it or demand the ball a little bit more, that's perfectly fine. But I think you should not expect that to be what Dame does early, like the first five to 10, yeah, maybe even a month of basketball games. I think you're not gonna see that out of Dame Lillard. Also, I don't know if you'll see teams guard Dame like the Lakers where Giannis joked that I've never seen a, a guy get double teamed in the first possession of a game. 
uh, D'Angelo Russell's guarding of Dame was really interesting. Like it was like he was playing game seven of the NBA finals. I, I really didn't get it. Um, I'll, I'll be curious if that's a sign of things to come or if that's just early season excitement. Uh, because like, uh, just it, it felt weird to me in a lot in a lot of ways because I was like, well, why is he just going relentlessly at Damian Lillard? It doesn't really make a ton of sense, but maybe that's what we're see, gonna see from a lot of teams. I mean, Philadelphia is the first team to face the Bucks this season. Uh, they have Patrick Beverly. I would assume James Harden will not start as he's calling Daryl Morey fat and marriage is ended and all this other stuff. I, I can't think that Harden's going to be out there game one. But if he is, I mean, Lillard will go to town. I mean, Lillard will take his fat ass to school. Honestly, that would probably be abuse from, from Damian Lillard if he's facing James Harden at this point. Like Damian Lillard might be called fat phobic for the things that he he would do to James Harden uh, if they did roll out Harden's ass in the first game against Philadelphia. And then he has Atlanta game number two, and that's Trey Young and Murray. Now you'll see Murray probably guard Dame a lot more. Murray's a decent defender. But I mean, yeah, there's a there's a chance where Dame gets off to a really hot start because of the guys they're facing, and I just don't think you're gonna see this from a lot of a lot of teams. I, it could just be an early season thing. It could be something that Darvin Ham's experimenting with. I mean, preseason is great for experimenting. You saw the Bucks trying different things, trying different rotations, and so I, I I don't know. I don't know if this is a sign of things to come or just. A, one, a blip on the radar and we shouldn't look too much into it. Another interesting Dave thing, he had three steals. Uh, he He's not terrible on defense, at least against D'Angelo Russell. Maybe against you know the elite guards of the NBA, he's going to look bad. But this whole idea that Dame doesn't defend is a little bit flawed. I, maybe it's, it's overstated that Dame just can't defend. Also, Dame's never had the, the defense behind him. Like there, I can't think of any trailblazer that was really known for being a stalwart defensively. Maybe Jeremy Grant would probably be the only one that comes to mind. Aldridge, I guess Aldridge was kind of, I'd have to look back at like his defensive rating as a player, but I never, I would never think about LaMarcus Aldridge and was like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy was a stalwart defensively. You have the protection of Giannis and Middleton. You also have, you know, lanky guards who can help out as well. And I think Dame's going to be all right defensively. I I really do. I don't, I think that's going to be an overrated storyline by halfway through November and everyone's going to realize how dumb it was. Uh, but that happens, right? That's just part, that's the nature of the beast as you're, as you're getting ready for a season. Other takeaways that I had about Giannis uh, more so, I, Giannis looks more than ready to play with everybody. We talked about the comment that the season started start, starts today, but Giannis just seems very comfortable already. Uh, you know, he took it on the block, first play of the game, you know, pretty turnaround, uh, very Hakeem-esque. Uh, he worked with Hakeem Olajuwon in the offseason, and that that looked like something that Hakeem would do. Uh, and if he's adding those type of post moves, and you're seeing Giannis in the block pretty frequently, I think teams are going to be in real trouble. Like, it, that's going to be a really hard thing to defend because Giannis is a monster. Like, the, Giannis is just extremely hard to defend in really any scenario. But I think in the post, he can kind of do some of the, you know, the post move work and not necessarily barrel into everybody and get offensive fouls 
And also, you know, they, those run the risk injuries. We saw it against Miami, right? So can Giannis do some more things to not necessarily put himself in harm's way? I'll be interested in that. Uh, I, I'll also be interested to see, you know, how much we the pick and roll stuff had. We saw a little bit of it today, but we, we got a taste, right? You got, got like the appetizer. You got a crab rangoo of the pick and roll offense that Giannis and Dame can do. Uh, but yeah, he looks more than ready uh, to play with everyone. He also, this kind of coincides with what we were talking about with, you know, the the post moves. He had a three-pointer, but he was 16 points tonight on 10 of field goal attempts. Like, he was kind of doing it all, 16 and 8. And it was just a, a really solid performance for preseason. You're like, all right, yeah, that guy's ready. Check the box. I think they should play another preseason game just to, you know, keep the comfortability of the guys. I think it would be cool if they played, you know, the, the game against Memphis at home, which I think is Friday night. Uh, it's a Mac fun game. Like, I think that would be really cool for Bucks fans. I know they have an open scrimmage, I think, the next day um, on Saturday. Or no, maybe Sunday, actually, that the open scrimmage is. I think it's Sunday. But still, like... I think it would be cool to, you know, showcase Damian Giannis at home. But I, I understand if that, I'm sure they have a plan. I'm sure that they've, they've talked about it and we'll certainly see where, what they do. But yeah, Giannis was, I don't see, I don't need to see anything more from Giannis. I still think from a chemistry perspective, a on-court chemistry, I think it would be, it would behoove them to play one more game, even if Giannis looks, looks the part already. Chris Middleton is going to have so many open looks. Uh, I don't play a lot of fantasy basketball. I, I have played the last two years, I think, with Shea Ken. And what happens with fantasy ba basketball is a lot like what happens with me with fantasy baseball is I just forget about it. Uh, I, I would love to do a fantasy basketball league where it's kind of a set it, forget it lineup for the week. Like, or, you know, and you just, you can't necessarily move it. Like, you just can't move it. Like that is your lineup and you have like a set lineup of 10 to 12 guys. I'm sure this exists. It's all, almost like a best ball for basketball. That would be per my dream personally uh, because that would that way I could I could pay much more attention to the comings and goings of fantasy basketball. But anyways, the way, why I was bringing up fantasy basketball is Chris Middleton should be like a guy you're drafting in every league. Like Chris Middleton's going to have so many big games because there's going to be just so many open looks. Like Jay Crowder had a bunch. He knocked a couple of them down. He missed a couple too. Bobby Portis had some open looks. Brooke Lopez had some open looks. And a lot of, some of those are going to get distributed to Middleton. I shouldn't say some, a lot, a lot of those will get distributed to Middleton. Middleton has to be licking his chops, watching Giannis and Dame play together and all the kickouts. Chris Middleton also is expected to be back for the regular season. John Horst, you know, said that on the broadcast that he's progressing well. They're very happy with where they're at with him. They're just not putting an extra load on Middleton. And I, I don't I don't blame them for that. I, I would like to see the three together. Uh, but if that's, you know, the Bucks have a plan, the Bucks have a plan. And I'm not worried too much about Middleton feel, fitting in. I think he's kind of a chameleon. He doesn't necessarily need, you know, sort of the extra ramp up time that I, I feel Giannis and Dame do. Brooke Lopez extra pass challenge will be a thing. Uh, Brooke Lopez, you know, had a couple moments where he could have dropped it to Dame for an open look and he shot it instead. And according to people who probably pay a little more attention than I do, this has been a thing he's done for a while uh, and that he, he wouldn't, you know, dump it to Grayson who had to have open looks and things like that or even Drew Holiday, but now it's Dame Lillard. And it's like, okay, man, like you, you're a decent three-point shooter, but you know who's a better three-point shooter? Dame Lillard. And I also, with Brooks threes, I don't necessarily 
think Brooke is as good of a three-point shooter as Brooke Lopez thinks he's a, is as a three-point shooter. I think he had a couple good years, but I, I'm not sold that Brooke Lopez needs to shoot that many threes anymore. I get it. If a trailing three or, you know, let's say, you know, a situation where he's the open guy and he pops out on a pick and roll or something like that. Like I, I'm all for, you know, when they make sense in the in the rhythm of a shot. But if you have Dame Lillard on open in the corner, like you gotta pass that fucking ball. And I, I think fans will grow frustrated with with that out of Brooke. Campaign passed the test. I really liked what I saw from Campaign. Uh, it's refreshing to have a backup point guard. I know that there are going to be games where Campaign wants to make you rip rip your hair out, but I, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching uh, Campaign or I, what does he call him? See Peasy or something like that? So, Peasky. I the the ski thing. I can't believe that's still around. Like that became a big thing when I was in high school. So that was like 17 years ago. Um, I shout out to a guy that I went to high school with, we, who's called Kuboski. And like, but it's been a thing since. Like, I can't believe that that's still going on. They, that's crazy. But anyways, uh, campaign look good. Uh, also look good, Marshawn Bochamp. Thought Marshawn Bochamp played really well in the first half. Uh, decent second half as well. Uh, made it a certain impression. So he definitely did not look like the lights were too bright for him. He got much more run than Andre Jackson Jr. did with you know the starters. So if we kind of want to look at depth chart packing order, it seems like Bochamp's going to get a shot before Jackson Jr., which I'm probably okay with. I, I think that makes more sense. I still think Jackson Jr. should play a little bit um, and play you know anywhere from five to 10 minutes, especially when there are wings to be defended. Like when you're facing Tatum, even like a Tobias Harris, right? Like go go get a couple fouls, go frustrate them a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. You know, just be a little, be a, a bit of a terror at the end of the first quarter, end of the second quarter. Try to steal some points for for the opposite, for the box, not for the opposition. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll we'll have to see that. But that that was an interesting one. Also, Pat Conson looked good. Uh, and I noticed that you know in other preseason games where I, I really felt like Pat Conson kind of got a shot back. You know, he had a lot of injuries in 2022 and that can't be forgotten. You know, he started the year, he had a calf injury that kept him out, I think for what, the first, so like month plus, like month, like six weeks of the season. And maybe it just was an issue all year and he didn't really talk about it. And I, yeah, we Pat looks, looks really good. And I, I think there is an iron sharpens iron thing. He seems to elevate his game against the best or with the best, I should say. And so maybe that's part of it as well. But yeah, all in all, man, I'm fired up for the season. Hope they do play again more. We'll see. I also, from a fascination standpoint, would love to see Giannis against Chet Holmgren on Tuesday night. I believe they're in Oklahoma City on Tuesday night. That would that would be fantastic. I, I would definitely pay good money to watch uh, Giannis just take it into the lane on Chet. Yeah, so impressive night for the Milwaukee Bucks. It was really good to see you know, it not look like a complete disaster or a complete clusterfuck. Not that I expected it to, but I, I enjoyed that the that it was a successful first night and excited for many more. All right, let's move on to the NFL where I'm gonna give you a Packer take from every game that happened in the NFL this week. We're gonna run through it. It was a crazy week. A lot of people lost money. Uh, the Eagles and 49ers both losing, no more undefeated teams. The Bills nearly lost. It was a crazy week six. The Packers weren't part of it because they were on by. And maybe that's something to be thankful for. 
Uh, we talked a little bit about the Broncos. We'll start Broncos Chiefs. Chiefs won 19 to 8. Um, I will say that for the Chiefs, uh, I wish the Packers had the combination of an awesome defense and a really good quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is kind of in an Aaron Rodgers era, uh, not to loop in Taylor Swift, but he has one go-to guy. Rodgers had Devontae Adams and then a bunch of young guys. Uh, I think Mahomes is handling it a little bit better. Uh, He's not as, you know, demonstrative as you've seen with Rodgers or Brady, but I, I do wonder behind the scenes if that's pissing him off. Uh, with Denver, uh, I, I said it yeah on Friday, but we'll say it again. You just can't lose that team. The Packers just cannot lay an egg to Denver. If they lay an egg to Denver, it's going to be a very interesting pro- podcast next Monday. We're going to have a lot of therapy. We it will de- The headline, I will guarantee, will be Packers therapy after a disastrous Denver loss. Something like that will be, because I'm a slut for alliteration, which I'm sure you guys know by now, or you figured out when you're seeing podcasts, you're like, oh, why is the same letter there? Yeah, that's why. Uh, so Ravens-Titans. Packers do not play either of these teams this year. Probably thankful for that. Uh, Ravens, I, I really, I'm interested to see if the Ravens are able to keep it up with, not necessarily keep it up. Ah, that's bad. <laughs> It's like, I was excited for this topic and I'm like, oh shit, we have nothing, we have nothing for the Raiders. This is off the rails now. All right, Ravens, Titans, related to the Packers. We do not have any, any ties there. They do not play either team this season. I think the only thing interesting for the Tennessee Titans is would they, are they going to be sellers at the trade deadline? Is that a team that the Packers could look at in terms of getting defensive help or getting, you know, some help not necessarily at the, you know, Derrick Henry is not going to be available, but what do the Titans do if Ryan Tannehill is out for a while? They grabbed the cart for him. Malik Willis, I, I don't know, is an NFL quarterback. So what does that do for the Tennessee Titans, you know, long-term? Do they also make a trade for Kirk Cousins? I know Kirk Cousins said he's not waiving his no trade clause, but do they get involved in the mix? I mean, the AFC South is a lot more competitive with the way the Texans are playing, with the way that the Indianapolis Colts are playing, or not the Colts, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I don't know, maybe maybe they're another team that you can throw in the mix of potentially being in the quarterback sweepstakes, even though they have two young quarterbacks. They're kind of becoming Detroit with wide receivers back in the day. But yeah, it, it would be interesting to see if they add to the trade market or have interest. I don't think the Packers right now are buyers or sellers at this point, but interesting enough. Commanders beating the Falcons 24 to 16. Take there is how the fuck did we lose that Falcons team? That Falcons team stinks. Desmond Ritter is a terrible quarterback. I had the Falcons and the over-under, which was 42, and both didn't come through because Desmond Ritter is a complete asshole. They had three possessions in the fourth quarter, and the Falcons couldn't do a goddamn thing with They got one touchdown. Arthur Smith went for two because that's what the analytics tell you. Uh, Arthur Smith ama- has some amazing reactions. Uh, he Ritter threw an in- uh, red zone interception there. And I just can't believe the Packers lost this team. Like that's, that's something that's just going to irk me for a very long time. Uh, as for the Commanders, um, I, I think that's a team the, the Packers are going to be competing with for a playoff spot. I can definitely see the Commanders being around that six or seven seed this season. So 
I think you got to keep an eye on Commanders games just from a, a fact of that's a team you could be jockeying for position with uh, later in the year. Um, they're certainly in the same tier as Packers. Vikings, Bears, Vikings beat the Bears 19 to 13. The Vikings did not look right without Justin Jefferson. Uh, you know, they get 19 points, but seven of those came up because of the defense as they forced a turnover on the Bears back and quarterback, Tyson Besquet. Uh, I think it's Tyson. I don't know if it's Tyson or Tyler. The broadcast, I think, was saying both. Uh, I was mowing the lawn when Fields got hurt. Uh, Red zone on your phone while you're mowing the lawn is like as American as it can fucking get. But the Minnesota Vikings are not good football team. The Bears aren't a good football team. The Vikings offense without without Justin Jefferson is a clusterfuck. Uh, I I don't know, you know, what they could do differently. The blitzing defense of the Minnesota Vikings scares me a little bit for Jordan Love. That part worries me. I, I will say that. It, it could be a complete dogfight between those two teams. Like, but first to nine wins that game in two weeks. As for the Bears, Fields dislocated his thumb. They'll know more tomorrow. Uh, does not sound good. Doesn't sound like Justin Fields is going to be quarterbacking for the Bears for a couple couple weeks, maybe maybe more. Be interested to see if they go with the rookie or if they bring somebody off the streets like a Joe Flacco or Carson Wentz. Like I, I feel like Carson Wentz, this would be a perfect destination spot for him. Uh, I don't know if the Bears play next week. If the Bears play next week, that's your that's your survivor team. Like that's the one you you load up on. They do. They play the Raiders at home. Uh, so yeah, that's do you want do you really trust the Raiders though as a survivor team? I don't know. What's that'll be interesting to see what that spread looks like. Probably we Raiders minus six. Oh, I could I could you really take the Raiders minus six on the road in Chicago? I, I don't know if I could. Um I, I, I don't like to look at the lines. This is very nerdy of me, but I, I like listening to Simmons and Sal and playing along with them. Uh, Bengals, Seahawks. Seahawks are going to be a team that, again, is going to be in that group that will compete for a playoff spot with the Packers. Um, It's always good when they lose now. I think that's a team to, just like the Commanders, to keep an eye on and make sure that they're they're not winning games. It's shocking they did not win this one. They had multiple opportunities around the red zone, couldn't get it done. They don't really have an offensive line. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if they make some moves before the deadline. I think they're a good team. I I just think they're maybe two or three players away from being really good. Uh, I think they're just good at this point. Uh, 49ers, Browns. Browns win 19-17. It's kind of same old 49ers in terms of injuries, right? McCaffrey goes out with an oblique. Uh, Debo at first had a shoulder injury, then had a hip. Uh, Trent Williams went out uh, at certain parts of the game. Like, they kicked the shit out of the 49ers, the Browns, that is. And the Browns' defense, very impressive. Jim Schwartz continues to own Kyle Shanahan, 8-1 against them. I have no idea how an NFC team did not hire Jim Schwartz. Like, the, the, the Joe Barry, keeping Joe Barry just continues to be such a mindfuck. You, like, I know Jim Schwartz is not, like, the nicest guy. I realize that Jim Schwartz is kind of an asshole. That said, that guy has owned Kyle Shanahan. That guy has the best success against Kyle Shanahan. How the fuck did no NFC team be like, we need to com- compete with the 49ers. 49ers are top to bottom best team in, football, in the NFL, or NFC, excuse me. And we need to compete with them. So just, it, it boggles, boggles the mind. Uh, it really does. Uh, and also... 
I don't understand how Brock Purdy is bad on, in cold weather. Like, he went to Iowa State. Like, why is this guy not a good cold weather quarterback? It just seems like when the elements are are shitty, he does not sort of live up to it. Panthers, Dolphins, uh, Dolphins are a wagon. That's all you got to know. Best team in football at this point, in my opinion. Like, if I was doing the Chuck Power rankings, I have the Dolphins number one this week. Uh, as for the Panthers, Packers play them like three weeks before the season's over. That game scares the shit out of me already because the Panthers are not going to be tanking. They don't have a draft pick. And I think they'll get better as the year goes on. I would love to play the Panthers right now. I think playing the Panthers in December on the road, very sleepy game is just one that if you feel like you're walking into a trap, especially it's on Christmas Eve, you're playing on another holiday. Packers have to play on Thanksgiving as well. Uh, Colts, Jaguars, not much there in terms of Packers, right? You don't play either team. Uh, I, I think with the Colts, it's just... Gardner Minshew, not a, not a solid backup quarterback, uh, made me wonder. Like, I think Gardner was a guy that some people talked about for the Packers, right? When they, no one believed Sean Clifford would actually make the team. Uh, Gardner showed you why he's backup today. Uh, he was terrible. And he had a lot to do with why why the, the Colts got ran all over by the Jaguars. Jaguars are a good team. Like I, Jaguars are kind of back to where they, they had a little bit of a slow start, but now they've sort of figured it out. Uh, Texans beat the Saints. Thank God we beat the Saints. Saints are bad too. Uh, They're not a good football team. Uh, They just, they look bad today. I love the Texans. Texans are kind of my team in the AFC. I just like D'Amico Ryans. I like CJ Stroud. I like what they're kind of building there. I think they have a a really fun team and I'm about it. I'm I'm into it. I'm glad the Packers aren't playing them. I think that's, that's another thing to think about. But yeah, it's good that we have a win against the Saints. It will help in the long run because I think the Saints, again, will be in that log jam. They might not be, but I, I would imagine their defense is going to win them a few games. Um, it just didn't, they didn't have enough uh, today against Texans. Afternoon slate, Patriots and Raiders. Wish we were playing the Patriots at some point this year. Man, that's a bad football team. Uh, as for the Raiders, I'm not yet saying I can't believe we lost this team. I think the Raiders' defense is better than than we thought it was. Well, it is the Patriots, right? Um, so you got to maybe take it for a grain of salt. But yeah, I uh, it, the Raiders were impressive. I mean, they were able to win the second half with Brian Hoyer as your quarterback, not not Aiden O'Connell, uh, which I thought was interesting. They went with the old guy versus the young young kid out of Purdue that apparently they really like and had already had started a game. We'll see. Jimmy Garoppolo, I, there was a buddy of mine who was like, would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or Jordan Love uh, last Monday night? And I think the argument against Jimmy Garoppolo, not just that I would prefer to have the younger quarterback, but I think it's just that Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy. It never seems like Jimmy Garoppolo plays a full season. He always has injuries. I uh, went to the hospital today. I don't know what the injury actually was. But yeah, I'm not ready to say like, oh yeah, that was quote unquote a good loss for the Packers. The like Packers definitely should have won that game. But now the Raiders back to three and three, which is crazy. Uh, Rams nine, 26, Cardinals nine. You're playing the Rams in a few weeks. Um, I will say we're going to do a better or worse thing uh, on the pod later this week. And I feel worse about that Rams game. And I know Packer McVay has uh, been owned by LaFleur, but the Rams are good, man. And they're a good football team. And with Nicole, Nakua, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, like they, it's just, it could be Nightmare City. Uh, for Joe Barry and Kyron Williams is a dude. I mean, he's really good running back out of Notre Dame and he's been just carrying the rock. He had a great, great performance against a pretty bad Arizona run defense 
And yeah, I wish we could be playing the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are kind of coming back to life a little bit. And they are they are who we fought they were. I mean, they still fight. They're still a scrappy team, but they just are not on the level of the Rams. And we've, we've kind of seen a little bit of that regression here the last two weeks with them getting beat by double digits in back-to-back weeks. Eagles-Jets, uh, we might not have a good second-round second pick for the Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Jets' defense, man, is fucking tough. I mean, Salah... Who is such a tryhard? Like I, I really would like to enjoy Robert Sala, uh, but dude, dude was like, "Yeah, we played all these all these tough quarterbacks, and we embarrassed them all." And like, he's not wrong. They did well, but it, it's just I don't know. There's something about him that's like, dude, you're a fucking douchebag, and I I don't know what it is. But yeah, the Packers second round pick is gonna be like in the fifties now. The Jets are halfway decent. They're going to be a playoff. Like this defense is really good. And Zach Wilson's playing just slightly better, and that's bringing them forward. And it's it's really it's really something. And then Rodgers is throwing the football without crutches six weeks after his Achilles tear. Like he's he's gonna come back at some point. Uh, the kid Marrow had this, and it, this is truly a nightmare scenario for all Packer fans. I'm telling you right now. The Jets are going to win games like this. A-Rod's going to emerge from a cloud of DMT smoke. Week 15 versus Miami. Roll to a Super Bowl and a fucking movie about it. Starring Ben Affleck as A-Rod. Ryan Gosling as Zach Wilson. And Vin Diesel as Bob Sala. Yeah, man. That, I can fucking see that. And that scares the shit out of me. Like, that's the uh, the Jason Siegel in I Love You, Man. This is my nightmare. This is my nightmare. Like, that you can't, just can't happen. Uh, but, yeah, that pick looks dead. I, I do I – have, I have to look this up with the 65%. If playoffs are included, then, then the Rodgers comeback becomes interesting, right? Because if Rodgers does come back for those, what, last – I don't know. That would, that would be if he came back for Thanksgiving. That would be halfway. That's like week twelve, week thirteen. So you have four or five more games, and then you got, you'd have you'd, they probably would. I don't know if they'd get the sixty-five even if they got the Super Bowl. But yeah, uh, Rogers certainly getting a lot of those Al Horford drugs, as I said last week. Yeah, I got pee in the cup. Uh, as for the Eagles, I, I'll be curious to see if you know other teams are able to replicate what. Salah was able to do defensively and him and Jeff Ulbricht, uh, their defensive coordinator, if, if that's if that's repl- replicable going forward, because at least when the Packers, you know, had some struggles in 2011, when Romeo Cornell kind of figured out their Packer offense, I, that became the playbook against the Packers. And for a, l- a little bit of time at that moment, or when Wade Phillips figured out the Packers, and I think it was 2005, 2015, it was a primetime game, Packers were undefeated. And it was it was undefeated versus undefeated. It was Manny versus Rodgers. And I think Von Miller sacked Rodgers on the first or second play of the game. And he fumbled. And we lost 27-3. We got our absolute asses kicked. I think that, that might be the last time we played in Denver, too. I have to look that up. But, yeah. Um, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, teams are able to adjust. The Eagles have a banger of a game this week against the Dolphins. Uh, potential Super Bowl preview. Awesome, awesome game. That's that's as good of a primetime game. I really hope it's a good game too. Like I hope like we we were hoping Dallas San Francisco would be a good game and it was a dud. Uh, so hopefully that that is a good one. Lions Buccaneers. Uh, I think the Lions are a wagon man. I, I hate to say it. Uh, I underestimated this Lions team. I thought the Packers would have a shot at the division. Division's dead. It's the Lions. 
I, I don't know how they're not going to be the best team in the NFC North. They are really fucking good. And their defense is now playing and balling. And I think with the Buccaneers, Team Packers are going to play later in the year. They're a good, bad team. Like, when they face good teams, they're going to suck. When they face bad teams, they're going to be good. And that might win you a division, right? It's a bad a- a- NFC North, NFC South, NFC South. There we go. Uh, but, like, yeah, the Lions, though, it's it's they're real good. And they have a great game next week against the Ravens in Baltimore. Baltimore coming off the London game. Huge test for the Lions. I'll be curious to see the spread. And then they go Raiders, then to the Chargers, then home against the Bears, then home against Packers on, on Thanksgiving. So interesting little schedule here for the Lions, and they they could they could be the top team in the NFC right now. Like if you're thinking about it, if you're really overreacting to one week, it I think it's still the 49ers, right? Like they had a bunch of injuries, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But I think the Lions are ahead of the Eagles. Like if you really look at you know game to game, the the Lions have been much more impressive than the Eagles have. The Lions just keep kicking everybody's ass, and it's really a sight to see. Uh, and then Giants Bills, which was uh, it was a slobber knocker of a game, but it was weirdly fun. I don't know why. I think I enjoyed the fact that the Giants were fifteen and a half point dogs and they were fighting. I, I have a weird soft spot for Tyrod Taylor, um, and but yeah, and. And they fought back. You know, Packers are going to play the Giants later this year. It looks like the Giants are not going to be one of those teams that's knocking on door from playoff contention. They did seem to figure a few things out defensively. Their offensive line is just a complete mess. They've played six different offensive line combinations. They had Justin Pugh came from the streets. Uh, he he said straight from my couch was his uh, intro. He was podcasting and real estate investing last week, and he was playing for uh, playing for the Giants this week. They have the Commanders, the Jets, and the Raiders, and the Cowboys uh, as their next four. So that'll be interesting to see if they could they. Let's see from that they get two wins, three wins because you'd probably need to get to like three and five to be. In the or we three and six at that point. Now, like, could they do? Could they? They win three of those. Beat the Commanders at home. I think that that actually you might get the Commanders favored. I think that's a good, good one to bet the Giants on. Uh, I don't. I haven't looked at any lines as I as I mentioned. The Jets. I against that defense, no way. Uh, the Raiders. Yeah, you could get that. Cowboys probably not. So be interested to see if they if they can get on a run here and try and try to turn it around. Uh, but it, it's looking, you know, kind of like a lost season. Although I would imagine that a lot of Giants fans are taking this one as more of a moral victory. I'll be curious to see though if the Giants get moved off flex. Like they have a couple three twenty five games. Like we don't, we don't need, we don't need this much attention for the Giants. Like it looks like the Giants' primetime reign is done until their Monday night game against the Packers in. December, so that's at least we at least have that where we're done with primetime Giants for the next few week few weeks, which is great. But yeah, that Giants Cowboys game kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, considering the fact that no one really wants to watch the Giants besides the you know Giants fans. And I wonder if they'll push that Lions Chargers game, which is a three hundred five on CBS. I wonder if they'll flex that into the Fox spot. Kind of did that with Jets Eagles this week, where they added the Lions and Buccaneers to kind of give a little more variety. Um, but it didn't really work out at the end because all the games were kind of trash in itself. I 
I think I've told you guys this, but uh, the red zone, doing red zone for the week, the three weeks Packers basically haven't played on Sundays has been a godsend. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I would recommend it to anybody. Uh, if you have like a couple weeks where your team isn't in the mix, uh, it's great. Uh, it's great for that. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to need it after... Think I, I think my subscription ends on like the 8th of November, but I don't need it after that because you have a lot of nooners for the Packers coming up here after their 325 against Denver next week. So we guys enjoyed that. Uh, let's move on to college football and talk a little bit about Wisconsin and their massive blunder. So on Friday, was it Thursday's tapping the keg, we talked about how the Badgers had an awesome opportunity in front of them. How if they win this game against Iowa, they have a path to potentially a one-loss year, and they could be, you know, in the mix for a potential playoff spot if they would beat Ohio State and everything else. What do the Badgers do? They completely choke on their dick. They lose the game. They lose fifteen to six. Tanner Mordecai is out with a hand injury. It does not sound good. According to Luke Fickle, Braylon Allen had a shoulder thing, but he was able to come back. Kind of admirable second half for Braylon Allen, 18 carries for 87 yards, but it was a little too late. They could not get it done with Braden Locke at the quarterback position, who was decent. I mean, it's really hard to be not only thrust in to a situation, but also dealing with Iowa And a couple things stood out to me. Number one, the fact that Iowa was more physical than Wisconsin. Iowa brought it to the Badgers. They they brought their lunch pail. I don't necessarily think Wisconsin did. Uh, It's not even that I'm calling Wisconsin soft. It's just the fact that I think you need to be at Iowa's level in the trenches and the Badgers weren't. And that was a little jarring. Uh, You know, there were a couple situations where fourth and ones didn't happen or Iowa just seemed to be bringing you know the pressure and the noise to the Badgers not the bat not the other way around and that that kind of shocked me I was I was pretty surprised by that in the rewatch I was flipping around with Washington Oregon like if you weren't watching more than Washington more Washington Oregon than Badgers Iowa you are a true sicko but I appreciate your sickoness uh, so yeah, I went back and I, I kind of rewatched again and I was like, God, man, they did not do anything. Like it was just, it, it was not that physical kind of shove it down your throat mentality. They got it going in the second half with Allen, but it, it was a little too late. Like at that point, you needed to be doing this from the get-go. I thought the fact that Fickle went for it on fourth and one when he had an easy field goal was easy, was the the biggest moment of the game. I, I know that that sounds crazy. Like there was an 82-yard run by LaShawn Williams. And I, I want to talk about, you know, the issues they had in terms of stopping the run, which is part of that physical process. But it's, it's 0-0. It is a game where the over-under is 34 and a half. By the way, that cash. So congratulations to those who had the under in that game. But it the fact is, is like, take the goddamn points. Like, I understand wanting to be aggressive. I understand wanting to establish like that you're going all out for this. But that was such an easy three points. And if you just take those three points, you're, it's, it's three nothing. And I, so I kept charting it and I was like, okay, had Iowa scored, it would have been, or, or had it, yeah, Iowa scores a touchdown, it would have been 
And then you hit another field goal. It's seven to six. The Badgers hit another field goal. It would have been nine to seven uh, before Iowa would get their next field goal. It would be 10. And even when the safety would happen, then you you need a field goal to win. Like you would just need a field or a tie, excuse me. Like, so it wouldn't be 12 to six. It'd be 12 to nine. Like that field goal was so important to this game. And I think that's just the inexperience of Luke Fickle in terms of the Big Ten and Iowa, Wisconsin. And, you know, obviously got a front page to it. Uh, and not having Mordecai is rough, but Iowa doesn't have Cade McNamara. They have Deacon Hill. I will say that having a back and quarterback and getting him a week to prepare versus a, you know, five minutes is a, is a lot different. And that changed, that changed the game. You can't deny that it didn't, but it really comes down to getting beat in the trenches. You gave up 175 yards to Sean Williams. He averaged seven yards a carry. Obviously a lot of that was that 82 yard run, but still like that is really, really rough stuff for Wisconsin. And again, the microscope gets a little bigger on Mike Tressel and his 3-3-5. I just am not sold that that is a, a defense that works in the Big Ten. I, I think the Big Ten is too physical for it, and Iowa ran right through it. And that's that's an issue, man. And I, I'm not ready to be like, they need to fix it, fix it next year, but it, it's going to be curious to see if Mike Tressel can get guys to fit the 3-3-5, but also be run-focused and get bigger, beefier dudes inside on both sides of the ball. And we'll see. Maybe there is a more of a talent gap with Wisconsin than we thought. Um, we'll, I, they have Ohio State in two weeks, so we'll certainly see if, that's, if that is the case. But yeah, this was a massive opportunity loss for the Badgers. And it, it, Tanner Mordecai injury, we'll see if he's back. I, I, I would imagine if Luke Fickle's like it doesn't look good, that sounds like at least out for you know multiple games, if not the season. And now without a bye for the Badgers, it's it's every week now. So will they be able to keep their head above water without Tanner Mordecai? We'll have, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I will I will say it's it's way too early on to know with Locke. I mean, it was the second half against a very good Iowa defense. We'll see with a full week of, of practice if you know he gets sort of under his belt as QB1. Uh, Bryson Green was really impressive. Uh, I think that would be a, a good takeaway for Badger fans, right? Uh, that Bryson Green, five catches, 88 yards. He he really popped the Oklahoma State transfer. So that, that was good to see. Yeah, and even, you know, you have a defense defensive day where you give up only 15 points. You still give up so much on the ground. It's hard to really compliment the defense and, and be about it. And now Iowa has... The driver's seat in the Big Ten West, and we'll we'll see if they get there. I mean, people have talked about the potential of Iowa being eleven and one. They are ranked now at twenty fourth. They play Minnesota with an over under of thirty one and a half at home, uh, and then Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska. They play four straight games at home now, and then go to Nebraska. Uh, I'd be very interested. To see if they're able to, you know, win this, win out and run the table. Don't sleep on that Nebraska game at the end of the year, especially if Nebraska needs it to be bowl eligible, or they don't. It's not bowl eligible, and then it's just their Super Bowl. 
Uh, that still could open the door for the Badgers. I also, because they, you know, Iowa does have one loss already with the Penn State. So it, all Wisconsin would need to do is win out. And that's going to be tough with Ohio State. I still am not a huge believer in Ohio State. Uh, it was impressive what they did against Purdue, but they have Penn State this week and then they'll come and play Wisconsin. That's going to be a really tough task for Ohio State to get up for the Badgers after you know Penn State, especially if they win. If they lose, I think that makes it a harder game for Wisconsin. But I, if they if they win, like yeah, Ohio State's going to be sky high. Like to, you know, they they feel like they have a real shot against Michigan, all this other stuff. Got to go into Wisconsin and and do that. But yeah, I um I don't know. It'll be it, it certainly is is will be a challenge and definitely. We'll see. I, I'm not going to completely count the Badgers out, even with Braden Locke. I think they can they can figure it out. I think Fickle, you know, knows what Ryan Day in terms of offense does. You got to obviously play Illinois first, and Illinois gets off the mat and wins the game against Maryland. Maryland finally Maryland themselves, and yeah, it was uh, that that game. I, I think still bodes in Wisconsin's favor. There's a lot of revenge in that in that game, and I know they haven't played Illinois well the last couple of years, but I think this is one the Badgers Badgers want, and I think they can get. And you, I would expect a a statement sort of game for Wisconsin, and not look ahead to Ohio State. I'd be much worried more for the look ahead had they beat Iowa. Had if they had beat Iowa, I'd say, oh, look out for that. Especially after Maryland, little momentum. It seems like. At least this week, there was a lot of cases of teams where they'd won the week prior and the momentum kind of kept going. You saw it with uh, Iowa State. You saw it with, well, who's the other one I was going to bring up? It was also a Big 12 team. Oh, Oklahoma State. You saw Oklahoma State. like, And it just kind of all of a sudden, it's like, okay, they're figuring it out. They're putting it together. And, and maybe Illinois, that's that's another example. That's bad news for Wisconsin. So we'll, we'll have to see. But they also did give up 44 points to that Purdue team that the Badgers were ran right through. So that, that'll be interesting to uh, see what happens there. I, I did want to talk about Brandon Woodruff. We're pretty late in the pod. Uh, but yeah, Brandon Woodruff missing the entire year uh, with a shoulder injury. Uh, it's a shoulder capsule surgery. It's sometimes career-ending. Uh, four out of the five guys who've had it have pretty much were never the same after it. Uh, and the last guy was Julio Urias, and he's just a shithead. Um, and you know, but he did was able to bounce back from it uh, as a pitcher. It's crushing news. It's very crushing news for Brandon Woodruff. Um, it, it's so depressing that that he might not pitch again for the Milwaukee Brewers. That his last start was in Miami. I mean, the fact that he had a complete game shutout at home against the Marlins in the last, you know, sort of stages of his career is great, but it doesn't look like they're going to bring him back, you know, in terms of a extension right now, given the fact that there's have been a lot of guys who've pretty much never been the same after this injury. They have to, I'm sure, evaluate it and see if they're going to give him a shot. And, you know, he he will probably get a one-year prove-it deal, right? And if he can prove it, then he gets a bigger deal from somebody else. And now the question remains is what do the Brewers do in terms of their pitching staff next season? So it's, I think Corbin Burns still could get traded. I don't think you have to trade Corbin Burns. I think it probably favors you into keeping Corbin Burns because you need that veteran leader on your team and you need to make sure that you still have that if you want to make a run. 
If the Brewers are okay with a slight step back, I still think they can sell this team next year without, you know, being quote unquote competitive with all the young guys. You could use the Cincinnati Reds as an example of this year, where could that be the Brewers next year with a young pitching staff and a bunch of electric offensive talent like Chirio and Tyler Black and maybe Je- uh, Jefferson Cuero and others and you know Garrett Mitchell, Trang, the whole thing. Um, I, I think that's I think that's on the table. I, I, I really do. And so I'll be curious to see which route they go in terms of the Burns deal. I would imagine they're still going to be open for business. I think they'll listen to deals. I'll be curious to see if teams get desperate. A team like the Dodgers, right? We've had all these issues with pitchers. Will they you know, give you Michael Bush, who you don't exactly need for the Brewers, but, you know, maybe, you know, they, they give a couple of the big guys, Emmett Sheehan, their, their talented young pitcher. Maybe that's part of that deal. Will Nick Faso has been another guy that I, I would imagine would get mentioned. They've had interest in Willie Adamas too in the past, so maybe it's a Burns-Adamas deal as well. Uh, I'm not closing the door on any sort of Burns deals, but I, I think that, you know, it, it means... Probably you're going to try to bring back Adrian Hauser. Um, I think you kind of have to at this point, right? Um, I don't think you want to rely too much on young pitching slash Aaron Ashby coming back from his own shoulder injury. And then you have Peralta. Like, let's just say Burns gets traded. If Burns gets traded, it's Peralta, it's Ashby, it's Hauser. Would you bring back? I'd bring back Wade Miley. I'd have no problem bringing back Wade Miley for another year. I think Wade Miley is a great clubhouse guy. I don't think, see any reason why you wouldn't bring Wade Miley back. And you have Wade Miley, and then you let Robert Gasser and Jacob Mizorowski, you know, compete for that last spot. And Mizorowski and Gasser, you could add Carlos Rodriguez to the mix as well. Um, and those let those young guys battle it out in spring training and to the best wins. And the other ones stay in AAA. I think Gasser would have the inside track there. But yeah, I, I think that would be good. I don't think you can go Gasser and Mizorowski in in the opening starting five rotation just yet. I'm not I'm not there yet in terms of that. I could see that come June or July, but not to start the year. So I I'll be very curious to see what they do from a Corbin Burns perspective. What they do from a spending perspective, do they bring back Mark Cannon now on that $12 million option? I think they have a plan and this obviously screwed up a lot of what they might were thinking of doing. And now it's alternative planning. It's like, okay, Brandon Woodruff's gone, it sucks. What do we do here? What's plan A, what's plan B, what's plan C? And I'm sure presenting it to Mark Ananasio and saying, here's what we recommend to do. Here's what we're gonna try to do. Uh, I would absolutely love for the Brewers to kind of keep, you know, the competitiveness because I think with baseball, you're seeing parity is more present than ever. Like baseball has become more like hockey than than it is its predecessors, right? The dominant teams, you know, I, I can't believe the Atlanta Braves are not in the NLCS. The Atlanta Braves were one of the best teams I've watched play baseball in my 35 years of life. And I, I realized their pitching staff wasn't the best, but I felt like they were going to waltz to the World Series, and they didn't get out of the first round. And everyone wants to talk about the layoffs and all that bullshit. I really think we're going to go to two divisions and we'll have four wild cards, and that's how they're going to solve for it. Uh, and so only two teams 
Well, I I, th- I don't even know if that will help with the buys. I, I don't know. Baseball is in a tough spot because they wanted to add the playoff team to get extra revenue, and now they've kind of put themselves in a corner. Bill Simmons had an interesting thing about everything's a money grab these days um, on his Friday podcast, which I kind of agree with. I, I think that you know everything is playoff-focused, and the regular season just does not have the same meaning as it used to, um, which is an interesting way to think about it because it's like, do I, should I not care as much about like the game to game and I should just worry about what happens playoff wise? I don't know. Um, but it's right that no one looks at like, hey, they had a great regular season that you're defined on rings, you're defined on everything else. And it's, it's interesting because I think Brew, there's a lot of Brewer fans who, you know, they talk about the postseason disappointments and everything like that. But I guess I'd ask this question. Would you rather be the Brewers or would you rather be the Braves or Dodgers? I don't know. I think I'd rather be the Brewers. I know that sounds kind of fucked up and maybe like a loser, but like those two teams seem destined for big things. And the Diamondbacks thing hurts a lot. I talked about it on Friday because it's like Brewers should have been there. Brewers should have been a part of that and they weren't. And But I, I do think like the door is still open. And I don't think you should shut that door and kind of reset. I can see the path of basically being the Reds next year because, you know, the Cubs are, it's it's so hard to know if, you know, the, well, the Cubs have some talent that's that's still going to be there. Swanson, Justin Steele, uh, who else? Stroman, they they will have to decide. I don't think Stroman's going to come back. They have, Azalea will be back, their closer, so I have him. You know, will they make a push for somebody pitching-wise? Will they make a push for Shohei Otani, uh, which would be nightmare fuel? Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, would they go for Otani? Like, just an unbelievable offense with Otani, Arenado, and Goldschmidt. Could you imagine? Like, Otani in the middle of that, of Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Otani. Oh, God, that's nightmare fuel. Absolute nightmare fuel. I, I expect the Cardinals to do big things this offseason. I think the Cardinals are not going to take being one of the worst teams in baseball lightly and they're going to make a big splash this offseason i i could definitely see them getting josh hader uh i could see i could see a lot of different things out of the cardinals so i think from a brewer's perspective it's just a question of where do you see yourself next year how what are the other teams in your division doing what are the other teams in you know the national league doing and how do you compete with that and what do you how do you want to compete you were one of the best last year can you do that again i I think the brewers could i think they still could be an 85 90 win team even without brandon woodruff but it's just a it's just a tough loss so hopefully the brewers figure it out and we'll uh we'll have to see all right that does it for our show we'll go back next Back on when, uh, probably Thursday. Uh, if you get Dame and Giannis play, I'll be back Wednesday. Uh, we will have a podcast tomorrow, but it's already taped. It's the NBA preview, Tabby the Keg with Mitch and I. We had a lot of fun, about an hour and 20 minutes. So you got two hour long plus podcasts to start your week. That's, that's what I give to you. It's what I bring to the people. All right, take care guys. Have a good Monday and we will see you when we see it. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, for the basketball preview. We had a lot of fun. Hope you guys do too. All right, take care. Bye.